This is a story about the opossum family of Cardinal Prairie. Charlie, the youngest of ten furry joeys born to Mr. and Mrs. Opossum from Nutthatcher Forest, was a lively chap, always playing with his siblings, driving his parents crazy, and always causing mischief. He found himself in a heap of trouble most times. As he began to grow up and began to learn the tricks of his trade, he came to a point in his life where he would have to make a choice. Charlie could either stay in the comfort of his home and of what he knew best, or he could leave home on his own adventure. He knew if he ventured out, it could be a great danger. He couldn't always know what would be ahead in his path. If he didn't go, though, he may never get certain opportunities that he couldn't get at home. Charlie decided to go out into the world. His choice would turn out very well, and he would find himself quite happy up to a certain point. But before I start on that trail, I should probably tell you how he met his wife. Charlie the opossum met Elena the possum two years ago, and it was love at first sight. Charlie knew he was going to marry Elena the minute he set eyes on her. Elena was very sophisticated, proper, kind, gracious, stylish, smart, and gentle. They were the perfect match for each other, being that Charlie was a bit reckless, strong, fearless, kind, handy, caring, funny, and carefree. They dated for about a year, and then Charlie took Elena out on a very romantic dinner date at a fine cuisine restaurant. Afterwards, they took a stroll in the moonlight. He knelt on the ground and pulled out a shiny three-berry gold ring. Elena, will you marry me? Charlie asked. Elena gasped with glee. Oh, Charlie, I thought you'd never ask. Yes, of course I'll marry you. Their wedding was beautiful in a quaint little church out in the prairie. Elena made the most beautiful bride. She was stunning in her white sparkling gown with a floral head veil. Charlie was looking very sharp in his navy blue tuxedo. The ceremony was lovely and simplistic. Off on their honeymoon they went, traveling by night. They spent a few days in the bluffs. When they returned home to Cardinal Prairie, not too far from Nutthatcher Forest, they busily started fixing up their tiny cottage. Charlie gave it a fresh coat of white paint, and Elena decorated the inside farmhouse style. When they had finished and moved in, it was a very snug and cozy home. They lived together very happily and always in hope to start a family. After a miscarriage, which was like 8 to 16 joeys, it was heartbreaking for them. But a few months later, Elena was expecting and she was overjoyed. Charlie was just as thrilled. This is the start of their family. Winter was drawing near. Most of all the leaves had fallen to the ground and the trees stood bare. Charlie had to find food to stock up for the long winter months ahead. When Charlie, while Charlie looked for food, Elena was busily, busily cleaning, organizing, and redecorating their home. Elena was also busy working on the nursery. One day, after Charlie had finished bringing in the food and stashing it in their icebox for the day, he thought to himself how he could get more food from the local barn that stood not far from their home. It was just the previous week that he discovered an entrance into the barn and found a bounty of food. He knew how easy it would be to just sneak in there without a soul noticing. 
That night, he was going to do it. However, Elena was very stern that he would not go. Charlie, no, we have plenty of food that will last us long enough, she said. Dear, I don't want to go scrounging for food in the dead of winter. If I can get food from the barn, it will fulfill us till spring, Charlie told her. Elena wasn't about to give in. She knew the danger of getting caught. If that farmer catches you, I'll never see you again, and I need to see you. I need a husband and a father for my joeys, Elena cried. She was now very upset, but Charlie promised that he would never be caught and extremely careful. They went back and forth a bit more till Elena finally allowed him to go. You can go one night and then no more. Get as much food as you can and then come home, she said. Charlie gave her a little kiss and said, thank you, dear. That night, he went into the barn and squeezed through a hole in the far back side. Charlie thought to himself, I have plenty of time before the farmer comes out here, just enough to get as much as I need. He quickly rounded up all the food necessary in his large satchel and headed home. Charlie could just see the farmer headed out to the barn now. That was good timing, Charlie said to himself. A few nights later, Charlie returned to the barn without telling Elena and did so for the rest of the week. However, Elena caught on to Charlie, wondering where so much food was coming from lately. So one night, as Charlie excused himself to, to go out and supposedly visit a friend, she followed him straight to the barn. She waited until he came out. She hid behind some bushes and followed him back home. He filled their icebox and then went to their loft bedroom. Of course, Elena wasn't there, and Charlie slumped back to the kitchen where Elena was late, waiting. The next evening, Charlie woke earlier than normal, though he did not sleep very well on the sofa. So Charlie decided to make an apology breakfast in bed for Elena. Elena was pleased with the treat, but was still very upset with Charlie. They had a sit-down chat after breakfast, although Elena did most of the chatting. As December moved in quickly, Elena and Charlie were comfortable and cozy in their home. Elena loves the wintertime, being able to sit by the window, listening to the crackling of the fire, snuggled with a wool blanket, watching the snowflakes fall, while reading a romantic book. Charlie also loves wintertime, being he can sleep all day long. Every once in a while, Elena would convince Charlie to take a slow stride in the cold, crisp air, walking on fresh, powdered snow. With Christmas coming, which is Elena's favorite holiday, she's busy knitting away for Charlie and the Joeys next spring, making cookie treats, pies and cakes, breads and meals. Winter seemed to pass quickly, and soon it was already Christmas. Elena, being so excited like a little Joey, woke Charlie abruptly early and raced to their small tree by the fireplace. Honey, look at all the presents. Let's open them now, please, Elena exclaimed. Charlie nodded and grinned as Elena started to unwrap the presents. She started with the Joey's presents first, while Charlie grabbed some breakfast. Look at these adorable sweaters that I made for them. And the toys you made, she said with excitement. Our Joey's are going to be so blessed. Elena moved on to her present from Charlie. She opened a small wooden frame that had pine cones and dogwood, cranberries, and a tiny flower preserved in it. I love it, darling. Thank you. She also opened a new cutting board that Charlie made and some clothespins and a new pot and pan set. 
Elena loved everything. She handed Charlie his gifts. Charlie opened a red sweater that Elena made for him and a matching scarf, hat, gloves for all four, and a muffler. Charlie, overwhelmed, smiled and said, Thank you, dear. I love the color scheme. Just what I needed. Charlie folded it all nicely and opened a larger box that had a whole new set of tools. Charlie was overjoyed. He also found a list of ideas that he could make and fix from Elena. Charlie kissed her. As the night went on, they took a walk outside and returned to a delicious Christmas meal and tasty dessert. Elena had devoured the Christmas cookies and was starting on the brownies. Charlie finally had to stop her. But I'm eating for 8 to 16, honey, Elena said. Charlie told her, yes, I know, dear, but not with sugar treats completely. Elena gave him a little smile along with an eye roll. She had already hidden her stash of goodies away. They enjoyed a lovely Christmas together. As they snuggled on the couch by the fireside, seeing the sun slowly rise, Elena whispered to Charlie, Merry Christmas, darling. I love you so much. Me too, Charlie said softly and gave Elena a little kiss. Spring had finally arrived, and ever since the snow had melted away, every evening Elena would tell Charlie, Today could be the day. You've been saying that every day since February, dear, Charlie told her. Still, they could come early, she said. Charlie, looking a bit worried, started his day. Since the snow melted and the days were warming up, Charlie would go out and explore the woods. After spending months indoors, it feels great to be out again. Charlie said to himself. As the month went on, Elena had gotten the nursery completely ready and had everything she needed stocked up. Charlie had also been restocking their pantry. From then on out, it was a waiting game until the Joeys arrived. They didn't have to wait long either. At the end of March, Elena had eight baby Joeys the size of jelly beans, four girls and four boys. Both Charlie and Elena were overjoyed with their passel. For the next three months, they would grow safe in their mother's pouch. In June, they crawled out to explore the world and have a proper introduction to their two loving parents. Elena was so very proud, and now that they were face to face, she could finally put a name to a sweet little face. There was Eli Robert, Heidi Rose, Milo Charles, Bella Sage, Ezra William, Lola Ivy, Levi Jackson, and Luna Peony. Their little munchkins grew quickly through the rest of the summer and fall. They were big eaters, too. Charlie had come to notice that food was getting a bit low, and it was time to refill for winter. However, that previous winter was terribly cold and due to a terrible frostbite. The plants had not budded much of anything. Their beautiful stock garden that Elena and Charlie worked so hard on last year had died, and feeding eight hungry joeys was a handful. Charlie didn't want to worry Elena, so he took a few weekends to scavenge for food, and after several unsuccessful trips, Charlie came home empty-handed. Elena had now begun to worry. Charlie really didn't know what else to do, but he thought of one other solution. The farmer, which Charlie made sure to keep an eye on, had just stocked up on new feed, and hearing rumors from their neighbors that moved in that spring tell it's a feast. Charlie had discussed it with Elena, but didn't get anywhere. Winter would be moving in fast and having such a large family 
food would go by quickly. Charlie did not want to see his joeys hungry in the dead of wintertime. So for a week, he spied on the farmer, and with the help of a buddy, Sam, they studied the farmer until it was time to move. Due to their neighbors robbing the farmer's food, the farmer was a bit on edge, and Charlie would have to work by some traps laid out. He would not mention any of this to Elena, and if anything were to go wrong, his friend would tell Elena. The previous days, Charlie was really stressed about it, but he tried not to show it. However, Elena felt that there was something wrong. She confronted him, and he explained it all to her. She was very upset. You might have been able to get away with it last winter, but not this year, darling. Especially with all the other robberies from, from neighbors. No, Charlie, you can't do it, Elena stated. Charlie sat there listening to her go on. Eli, Heidi, Milo, and Bella were listening outside the door as their parents discussed the matter back and forth. Being the four oldest, they had grown up and took an understanding of the situation. As the door opened from the office, they scurried up the stairs to hide and watched. Watched their parents say goodbye. Charlie was going to go because he knew it was the only chance they had to live through the winter. Elena knew that was true, and there was no convincing Charlie otherwise. She gave him a kiss and a long hug. Charlie grabbed his satchel and walked out the door. Elena watched as her husband ran off into the darkness. Turning, she saw her four eldest joeys on the stairway. They came down and hugged her, and all holding on to one another. Charlie had entered the barn and made it past all the traps. He reached the barrels and started collecting small amounts in a few pails and transferred to a larger bucket on Sam's sled. Once he had the sled filled, he went back to fill his last satchels. Charlie climbed to the top of the bin, threw his rope down after tying it securely at the top, and crawled down the rope. He had filled his satchels fully and began to crawl back up the rope. As he climbed with a heavy weight, the rope became loose. Slipping, Charlie tried to jump and grasp the top of the bin. Holding on, he was able to throw the satchels out. Sam ran over to help, to help but Charlie lost his grip and fell down into the barrel. There he lay, knowing that he had failed. When Elena woke abruptly, she raced to her bedroom, saying that Charlie wasn't there, she went to look in the shed, and he was not there either. She walked back outside and saw Sam dragging the sled without Charlie. She knelt to the ground in tears. Sam tried to comfort her, but was of no use. Eli and Heidi came out to comfort their mother. Heidi went inside with Elena to make some tea, while Eli helped Sam put away what food Charlie had gotten for them. Eli came inside to see his mother in pure panic. Elena was saying, There is still time to get him out? Yes, plenty of time. We have all day. Eli, round everyone up to do a rescue party. Heidi, gather supplies. I'm going to your father. Eli stopped his mother at the door. Um, if you go in, if you go in daylight, if we all go, that will cause commotion. And the farmer's dog is always on the sniff. We all could be in one, we can't all be in one place, he said. Elena realized that and told her joeys that she would go by herself to be with their father. 
Elena entered the barn and ran up to the front barrels were. She frantically searched through all of them till finally the last one in the back corner. She climbed up and saw her love lying in the bottom of the bin. She cried out, Charlie! Charlie looked up to Elena with tears forming. Elena, you must go. You must not be here, he said. No, I'm not leaving you. We're going to get you out of here. Don't worry, just hang on. I don't want you to get caught either. Please, I love you. And Charlie looked into Elena's eyes. I'm so very sorry, my dear. I love you so much and her joys. If I had just... Elena stopped him, saying, It's all right. I love you too. So much. And we are going to get you out. I'm not leaving you. I won't. Some time later, friends and neighbors snuck into the barn. They were able to construct a rope and pulley system. They made a loop in the rope and threw it down to Charlie. He wrapped himself in it and then, with all their might, pulled him up the barrel. Elena was watching and telling them how much more they should pull. They almost got him out when someone heard the dog. He silently yelled to everyone, Every possum for themselves! All at once, every possum was scurrying out back to escape. They abandoned Charlie and Elena for themselves. The dog had squished herself into the barn and went crazy over all the scents. She ran out back, trying to follow one. Elena had ducked behind the barrel and waited just a bit before she came out. When it was clear, Charlie told her, It's no use, dear. You must go. Elena was about to speak, but Charlie cut in, saying, Even if you rounded everyone up, they wouldn't risk coming back now, even if you waited till nightfall. Please, Elena, go home. Home to our joeys and raise them up well. Elena tried to talk with Charlie, but he refused to listen and told her that she should go. Elena reluctantly went home in tears. Once at home, she began to tell her joeys that their father wasn't going to come home ever, but she couldn't bear to speak those words. She went to her bedroom, locking herself in, and cried. She came to ponder all the wonderful memories of Charlie and herself and their joeys, and everything they built for themselves. After a moment, she realized that she wasn't about to let all that go. So if she couldn't gather their so-called friends, she'd gather up her joeys and waited till dusk. Just as the sun set, she and all eight joeys crept to the barn, snuck in and up to the front. They quickly began working. She had Luna watching the door and to give a signal if anyone was approaching. Then Elena and Eli got the rope and found a long enough board to put over the top of the barrel. At this time, Charlie looked up to see his smiling joeys looking down at him. Once Eli got the board across the bin, Elena threw the rope down to Charlie. She looked down at him with a smile and mouthed to him, I love you. She had the four youngest sit on the board, and then she put the rope around the board. She and her four eldest tugged and tugged until Charlie could reach the board and climb out. He shook the rope off and hugged his joeys. Elena, filled with joy, just stared with tears in her eyes. Charlie came over to her and cradled her in his arms, and they all just stood there for a moment. After some time, the silence was broken when Milo saw the farmer walking toward them with a large sack. 
Charlie and Elena told everyone to run to the back of the barn, and there they made their escape. Home they ran all the way without looking back, and when they arrived safely, no one spoke a word. They all just clung to one another. There they sat on the couch by the fireplace, and there they all stayed together. The end. Okay. I'm just going to continue talking to myself. So I still have one more year. <coughs> Me. I still have one more year being a teenager. Nineteen. Whatever. But like, I mean, Grace got married at 19, so that's a little terrifying. But... I turn 19 and technically I will be in my 20th year of life. Like, I could possibly get married in the next 10 years of my life. In my 20s, I could get married. I could start a family. Like, that's just scary. It's, it's scary, but it's just like, whoa, where the heck did time go? Like, I'm, I'm a kid. I don't feel like I should be 20. I don't feel like I should be an adult. I, I don't look like I should be old enough. But I am. Like, Grace got married at 19. I'm not getting married at 19. <laughs> but like, just to look at it, like 10 years is still a really long time. But it really isn't. Because if my whole of childhood has gone by in a blink of an eye, so can 10 years. Like, I'm sure if I told this to, like, mom and dad, they'd be like, yeah, but that is, that's a long ways away, honey. And I'd be like, yes, it is. Technically, it is. But I remember when I was in junior high, and I couldn't wait to be in high school and be the senior and be the big kid, bossing all the freshmen around kind of a thing. Like, everybody couldn't wait. Four years has gone by. Like that. Like, you can think to the future and you're like, oh my gosh, that's so far away. And you can think to the past, like, whoa, how did I make, how did I make it through four years? Like, that was, that was so long and so miserable. But yet it just went by like that. Like, you can't, you can't really understand how fast time goes by until you actually, like, know it's going by. Like, you have to be living in the moment and you know how fast time is ticking. Like, I look at a clock. I look at a clock a lot during the day. <laughs> because I'm watching the time. I'm watching to see how much time I have left in the day. How much time I can fit in what I need to and what I want to. Like, I wake up. I try and wake up early. I don't wake up super early, but 
I try and wake up early so that I can get all my schoolwork done in the morning and chores so that I can enjoy the afternoon. And like, when it's daylight saving and it gets dark at five o'clock, I gotta like wake up at six so that I can fit everything in my day. Like I write lists for my Sundays and be like, I wanna do this, I wanna do this, I wanna do this. And when I like have a day where I sit and do nothing and watch TV, that is a whole day wasted. A day I'm not gonna get back, ever. That was one day of doing absolutely nothing. Just sitting on the couch, watching TV, and I wasted that day. I'm not gonna get another day like it. It's gone. That's one day in the past that will seem like a million hours long. Like, oh my gosh, that was so long. Like. But it's so fast. Like I remember I used to think like, oh my gosh, this can't go by fast enough. This is so slow. But now I can't stop the clock from ticking because it, I can't slow it down. And obviously when I start like having a like a real job and like most of my freedom is gone, then yes, time is gonna probably become more slower and you're like oh my gosh get me out of here but as of right now that's not what it's like I was just writing here in my journal for March because I was taking a shower and I was talking to myself in the shower obviously I'm home alone right now <laughs> so I can do this but like I feel like I'm sort of stuck right now like, I'm ready to get out there. Like, I have a summer job that I'm doing this year where I'm going to be leaving the nest, basically. And I'm so excited because it's, like, basically the best summer job ever. Being a missionary and being paid for it. Like, no, it's not a lot, but it's only seven weeks. It's not even the full summer. But, like, this will be, this will be me testing, testing my wings. And maybe I will completely crash and burn and be like, I'm never leaving home again. <coughs> but I don't know, I'm just I still have one more year of being a teenager. Not that, yes, I'm 18, I'm an adult, I can vote, stuff like that. But I don't, like, for me personally, I don't feel like an adult until I can drink. Like, once I turn 21, I feel like that's when you're legally an adult. You can drink, you can vote, you can do whatever, taxes, like, all that stuff. Like, that's when you are officially an adult so like I still consider myself a kid like I'm a teenager I'm, I'm a kid I'm like even in my young 20s 20 21 22 23 like I'm still a kid but like I'm so ready well I shouldn't say I'm so ready I feel ready for the next step in my life having starting my having my life and 
I'm sure this could completely change tomorrow where I'm like, I'm not ready to leave home yet. I don't want to do any of this <coughs> because that's me. But I'm just like, I just, I don't want to leave childhood, but I have already left it. It's gone. Like, I feel like childhood really ends when you're 16. Because that's sort of the age you can be out working, you're out driving, you're out testing your wings in flight around home. Like, you don't go very far. But, like, I, I don't... Turning 19, I just want to be done with the teenage years. Like, I just want to be done. I don't want to be a teenager. Like, if I'm going to be an adult, I want to start now. Like, 19 is sort of like the, oh my gosh, get me out of here. Like, just, just let me be 20. Just let me be an adult. And I mean, I am going to very, I'm going to regret saying those words. I don't want to be an adult. I want to be an adult, but I don't want to be an adult. Like, I'm complicated. But I don't know. I had to stop and think because to think that I could possibly get married in the next decade of my life is crazy to think about. Like, I could get married, say I get married 26 years old, maybe a year or two later, we have our first baby. Like, Rosa Mac just had a baby. Like, I can be starting that. I can be starting that whole new life, which is the rest of my life, in the next decade of my life, in the next 10 years, in my 20s. Like... But I also, my 20s, I want to really enjoy my 20s of being young, being a student, like being able to drink and like going to bars and, <coughs> and travel to Paris and London. Like, I want to be able to do that. Like, if I test my wings now and I leave home and I like it and I love it, I want to be able to do that before I get married, before I settle down, before I start a family. But, like, it's just so quick. If I get married, Gavin. I'm trying to think. 26, Gavin will probably be graduating high school. And he's turning 11. He's two years away from being a teenager and three-ish years from being in high school. Three-ish, four-ish years. Like, the four years of my high school has flown by. I have no doubt it's gonna fly by for him. Like, I hardly see the boys. And I, I don't, I really don't like that. Like, Gavin's gonna be grown up and gone. 
before I actually take time to spend time with him. That's enough of me rambling. Okay, hopefully it's not too loud. Sorry if it is, Gina. But, my mind, <laughs> there's a video on Instagram that's like, my mind is like an internet browser, I have 23, 7,000 tabs open, and I'm going crazy. Yes, that is my mind. And I'm here writing in my prayer journal. And then I think of a thought, and I have to write that down, and then it brings me to a different memory, and I have to still go back and finish my other journal entries in a couple pages back. And I'm like, my mind is racing, and I'm having such a nostalgic day. But it's not like anything where I'm just kind of like, I don't know, I'm losing my mind now. <laughs> I'm losing my mind! Get her. Okay, sorry. <laughs> but, darn it, now I thought about it too long and the memory's gone. Oh, so then I was thinking about another memory in spring. And the windows are all open. I'm in Katie's old wedding dress that she got for when she was engaged to Clinkhammer. Ugh. I tried it on and, like, it didn't even... She's so tiny, like it didn't even fit me back then when I was like 10. Whoa. There's another thought that just came into my mind. Okay, keep concentrated. Alexa, go back. I really like this song that's playing. And John and Grace are on the couch. Rose is giving John a back rub, and they're playing around with the Snapchat filter. Squeaky's like, hello. Mom's taking me a video of me twirling around in this dress and the windows are all open and it's just getting to like sunset hour where the sun is golden and it's just setting and like you can just, there's videos on the computer of it and the windows are all open and there's just a soft breeze outside and everything is green. It's like spring, like maybe late April, May, everything's just green and beautiful and cool. And rich, oh my gosh, rich is such a good word to describe spring. Rich and moist. Mmm, yummy. And I'm laughing at John and Grace because they're doing these squeaky voices. And in my mind then, I wish that I could be doing that with them. But I was like so young that I figured it was something I wasn't allowed to do. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the scene, just the laughter in the background, the rustle of leaves outside, blowing the curtains inside, and you can hear the birds, the birds just tweeting, like, it's not so much I'm like, what's the word, like thinking a long time on it, pondering, it's not like I'm pondering a lost memory, like, it's not that I'm like, that's not the word I was looking for. That is a good word. It's not the fact that I miss those times, the fact that I want that back, that I want something like that, like I want to clone that moment. 
it's more of just the way the scene, the way things are, the way things smell, look, the sounds. Because it's like you can never hear or see the same things the way they are ever again. Because it's constantly changing. And oh my gosh, Zoe is literally hanging her head off her bed. I should take a picture, but I want to keep talking. <laughs> and cute at the same time but it's like I love these memories I love these moments so much because I love that I can like find videos and hear birds sing like I've never heard them sing before whoops or I can listen to laughter that has never been laughed in that way before or ever again. It's reliving the senses in the moment, in the memory that I love, that turned me on, you could say, that I cherish. And by looking at the reflection of the sun on the cupboards, golden, watching the trees blow, sort of move in the silhouette they're casting. It's just like, I want to hear birds. I want to hear quiet. I want to hear, I want to hear it again, but I want to hear something like that. Hello there, Gina, speaking, oh crap. day and I was just washing my hands and I looked out the window because it's like a big fog fog it's a big fog over the interstate and all the cars have the lights on and it's getting darker so it's kind of like a blue gray color right now with the trees that are all dark and wet so they look like they're casting silhouettes and Zelly is Playing in the background, I've opened up the gate for her to go into the living room and dining room now, so she has more room to run and fetch, and you can probably hear her in the background, but I just love hearing her little pitter-patters in the house, and I'll catch her in like, her. I'll catch her reflection in the mirror, in the mirror, in the, um, window and she has the cutest little expressions. Go get it! I guess for when I have my own children 
because this morning I was thinking about all the things, the activities I do on a rainy day as a kid, and remember this Wildcats episode about worms and what they do when it rains. And I just remember it was the perfect rainy day like episode to watch and just like all these little things to do on a rainy day and I just got to wondering Zoe I just got to wondering what it'd be like when like what do I do on a rainy day with my kids and I just like can't wait to experience that if we're gonna like go run and play in the puddles or we're just gonna sit and snuggle on the couch with a f by the fireplace, or if we don't have a fireplace, then with candles and watch Wildcrafts. And obviously, I'm gonna obviously not turn my kids into me because that's not how that works. And even if they don't like watching Prime Prejudice with me, or the Love Comes Softly series, or even Wildcrafts with me, I will continue to do that in my 30s and 40s. I hope. So, I'll try and make this kind of quick, but not really. It's a beautiful, beautiful night out right now. It's almost 9 o'clock, and it's still light out. swing set and I'm just swinging so if you hear the wind that's because I'm swinging and it's also a little breezy out but I can see a storm coming there's lightning and it's clear as bell well there's clouds but it's clear and so there's a lightning storm coming but it was 80 degrees almost 90 all day and the wind was terrible but it's just started to cool down a little bit. I think there's a bunny in the woods because Tequila, the kitty, is very interested in what's going on. And the bats are out flying, catching moths, and the birds are, whoa, I'm getting scared. This lightning is crazy. But the birds are singing, and I can hear the creek. It's running because there's Tonight's sunset was absolutely gorgeous and a little weird because the sun had already set about an hour, 45 minutes ago. And instead of the colors setting over the horizon in the west, they were in a cloud in the east. And it makes me curious of why it kind of does that sometimes. Um, where the colors are just so much brighter and in the opposite direction but I just came down here to sit and relax a little bit and it is so gorgeous it's just perfect out but I'm in my bare feet I'm in an oversized sweatshirt sorry about that that's Catherine and I was just watching all the colors 
what? I was just creating stories in my head, like I usually do, 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 I usually do. And they've been sort of folklore, regency, but stories. Um, I'm trying to get a little more fantasy fictional in there with magical powers and turning people into black cats, but also keeping it very like king and queen and like princesses. just in the scene I was talking to myself I like to play out scenes in the story of where this lady um, she's like this lady in the regency times regency times and her sister and her were fighting because one of them only gets to be happy and the other one has to suffer with something else and the one sister just wants to stay in a cottage and live London and attend all these grand parties and become this new mistress and not have her freedom anymore while the other wants to travel and see all these cities and stuff. And I started going off trail a little bit of where her sister, um, one of the sisters get married and then she grows ill and she dies but she has a baby and then her other sister takes care of the baby and raises the baby, but yet he, but she falls in love with the father of the child when they were technically always in love. But it was just rules, so they couldn't get married. So she, he had to marry the other sister. Complicated stuff. So I was just sort of acting out a scene of a goodbye letter, kind of. I don't know. I just I like to do things like that. But I was reading out the letter goodbye letter from the mother to the child and I don't know it just got me thinking about spending nights like nights spending nights like these outside with my children one day like it takes such a perfect day and make it even more perfect with my own kids I don't know I've been thinking a lot about my own kids and my own family one day I don't know, maybe it's just because Rose and Mac have their little baby and I'm her godmother, but I don't know. It's just kind of... Whoa, don't know what that's all... Whoa, excuse me, sorry, I don't know what's going on there. Um, oops, okay, sorry, I'm messing around with my thing, my music. I guess I just imagined this moment in the future, someday, where we take this beautiful hot day and we do our schoolwork, we get outside and explore nature, and I try and do my housework and get all that stuff done, and then uh, it's late, my husband gets home from work, and we go outside the sunset, or we go on our swing set, or maybe we have dinner outside and we watch the kids run around with the dogs or the cats, and maybe later on we stargaze and our blankets we stargaze up and match constellations, I don't know. I just 
You always see those scenes in movies where the parents or the mother is watching their child run around in circles with dramatic music in the background or soft, silly music. And it's just like the perfect ending to the perfect day when there's still more mountains to climb and a bigger problem. They're still treading. I don't know, but I just was really pretty today, and was really peaceful, and it just felt like the perfect day to where one day I might get to experience it again with my kids and my husband. Obviously, I don't know what the future holds, what I'm going to look like, who I'm going to be, what I'll be doing, where I'll be at. But I hope that I get a family one day. And it's funny because I'm so used to my sisters and sisters-in-law talking about childbirth and all these sort of dramatic stories that they've had. And my mom jokes with me and she's like, you traumatized Gina. And I've just been so immune to them talking about it to where no, I'm not traumatized. I'm not worried. I'm not scared about the childbirth. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's probably going to be really painful. Like, I'm not looking forward to that. But I don't know if I want to get an epidural. Cause the epidural sticking a long needle into my spine is more scary than just going through the pain. <laughs> but, I don't know. I'm not excited for those two and three year old stages where the kids are sassy and I don't know, being little brats and they're running me around like Graham and Sienna run Katie around. Ow, stop playing with my feet, Kila. <laughs> or I'm not, ex not quite looking forward to those teenage years to where who knows what they're going to be doing, trying to run their own life, cell phones, social media, having to do with all that. We haven't gotten to that point yet with my nieces and nephews. Gavin's only 11, but he's two years away from being a teenager, and he's already playing video games, and but they're farm video games, but it's just funny. It's actually funny, because Kaden was like, I don't know what he's going to be like, like... He just plays those video games like all day and every day. He doesn't want to do anything else. So Gavin's getting to the stage where he wants to do his own things. And it's Legos or video games. And Caden's still a little boy. And he just wants to play and wrestle and be a little boy. Uh, but yeah. I can't wait till it's my turn, I suppose. bugging me right now but I just wanted to take a couple minutes and sort of I don't know describe a moment of something I think about I want to try and describe a thought in my mind to be the best I can 
I want to romanticize a moment in a way. I don't know. Lately, I've just been thinking a lot about the future and I guess just wanting and that can't waiting. I can't wait when I get my own family one day. But that's still a long ways away, but I hope it's not too long away. Like this cat just go away. <laughs> So, here's how I imagine my life, like way, way down the road. I'm married to the love of my life, my best friend, the person who just understands me and the person who makes me. Let's say we have about four kids right now. <laughs> Hoping for more, maybe. But we've got four kids. And I'd like to say two boys, two girls, but who knows. I'd like to hope that I've got my Colette and Emma and my Tristan and my Matthew. My Tristan Raymond, my, ow, my Matthew. Colette Dawn or Colette Faye or Colette, I don't know. I have so many middle names for her or my Emma Marie. <sighs> who knows? There's a lot of names I still like. My girls. But Colette will be one of them, hopefully. One day. My husband likes it. Hopefully, the husband and I love of my life will like all of these names too. <laughs> but. It's, I don't know, middle of the week, and it's a beautiful hot day in spring, and it's like 80 degrees out, and my phone is so weird. sort of looks like I homeschool all my kids and we do a lot of hands-on learning and fun curriculum and I actually found these fun little like nature packets on Pinterest where we explore and we dive into butterflies and birds and eggs and all these different topics and we go out and we look for these different types of bird nests or butterflies types of rocks and hopefully maybe we live out in the country either on a small farm or just it'd be nice if we lived on a farm um 
place with woods. There's a car going by, so it's gonna be a little not fun right now. <laughs> Hurry up! But we, I want to do more in nature and hands-on learning and just all these fun things. So we spend our day, and maybe we have art time, or maybe my older two are doing their own subjects by now, and I'm still helping the little one, maybe, but they're old enough to where they're not in the terrible threes age, but they still give me a run for my money. Anyways, so we spend our day doing school, not all day, but maybe the morning, the afternoon, lunch. I try and get housework done, clean up, pick up, do some chores, get the kids to do some chores too, um, but we also get outside and we look for things in nature, we take a walk or we just take a break and play with our dogs or cats or whatever pets we have. And have a good old time and then my husband hopefully comes home and we have dinner together and the kids share everything they learned and he takes them and he has um, maybe not one-on-one -on -one time but just spends time with them and obviously this is not what it's probably gonna look like but this is just what I imagine moments just Okay, time to go. Someone is just like riding a bike at night on the road and I can't see them, so we're gonna go. Get the heck out of here. Okay, one more thing. I, I just, ah. Uh, it's weird thinking about her being a nun, but like, I just feel like Bernadette has this whole essence. I was just thinking about how like, there's things we have in common. There, got it. No, got it. I'm playing around with this friendship bracelet she made me and I can't get it uneven because I'm like that. Okay, anyway, like, I just feel like she's just so, she's so gentle, she's so quiet, she's so very, very sweet.
spiritual. Like, she just has answers to all your questions. And if she doesn't, she just gives you this reassurance of truth. And, like, it, I feel like it just comes so natural to her. Like, she just has an essence that just flows of, like, she just, like, peace? I don't know. Maybe I'm just over-exaggerating in my mind. But I think about the differences between, like, the two of us. Like, we have so much in common in a way. Like, we're both cousins, we're both friends, we're, like, a year apart. Our birthdays are on the same day. Like, what? And we both, like, she got me into American Girl Dolls, and we both are so, like, we both love being so creative and art. She is an artist. I am not an artist. I cannot draw to help save my life. To save my life. I need help. And we're both, like, reading, but I'm more fictional and romance, and she's more non-fiction and biographies and... Catholic books, and I'm like, oh, Catholic books are good. Sure, I will read The Story of a Soul, but I want to read my romance novels and my World War II historical fiction and Christian fiction and, like, all of that stuff. And, uh, like, she got me started on sort of getting on track with my faith, getting back on track with my faith. And, like, I feel like we are so much different. Like, I'm sort of flighty, I think. I'm a little flighty. I don't know. Am I flighty? I'm not fickle too much. I'm just, like, I'm here and I'm there, like, changing, like, I'm all up in that aesthetic and, like, journals and just, like, creative writing. Like, writing is kind of a big part of that. Like, I'm a daydreamer. I daydream all day long. If I could get paid for that, mm, I'd be good at that. <laughs> like, I just think about all these different scenarios, and I'm constantly making up stories and, like, acting out scenes in the stories. Like, I'm just... I live... I feel like now... It's like, yeah, obviously our lives are different, because we're obviously not the same person, but it's so weird to kind of compare, like, the two of us. Like, I am so out there with my, like, romance novels and, like fantasy fiction, fiction, World War II, like, addict, and I love journaling, and I love Victorian style, and the Regency style, and, like, Pride and Prejudice, and, like, all this stuff. Like, I'm just, I like stuff. I like having stuff by me. I like having a cluttered feel, but it's organized clutter. And I want to travel, and I want to see places. I want to go to London, and I want to go to Paris. I want to go spend a weekend at a cabin on a lake in the woods. And, like, that's me. Like, I'm sort of... I don't know what you describe a person who's like that. But then you have Bernadette, who is soft and calming and gentle. And there's similar things that we like, too. But, like, she's so much more different. She's... It's strange, because we're both the youngest. But she's so... I think she's so much more responsible than I am. Like, she has her own business. And she has been responsible by helping take care of her siblings and her family. 
she's mature and she has so much of this she doesn't the big difference is I don't think she lollygags and daydreams like I do where my mind is constantly going and I'm thinking up all these different scenarios and I'm thinking up all these different feelings and all that stuff and like the only way I can express that is through words like I kind of live and breathe words like I try and speak in a poetic way I try and write poetry I try and do all that stuff I don't know that's so weird alright thanks for listening <laughs> okay so I just got a letter from Bernadette and I'm just sitting here on the couch reading it and um I've I've always been the one with like my letters. I've always been the one to write like all my deep personal feelings and all my issues and all my problems and I just relay it all over to her because she has such great advice. And my last letter was talking about how, like, growing up and, like, all that stuff. And, like, I always feel like Bernadette, when she writes back to me, she's always very slow of relaying her deep personal thoughts to me. And, I mean, like, we're close. Obviously, we're not, like, sister relationship or anything. But, like, I'd like to be that person that she could tell absolutely anything to. She's not the best at giving advice like she has been for me. But she just said about how, she said that I love the idea of you taking a career faith-wise. And I'd like to think, I too think much of becoming a missionary, or even this no one I think knows besides my mom, but discerning entering to become a sister at a convent. Like, I would have never imagined that Bernadette, this is, this is my little cousin, my cousin, my best friend, would ever think of that. Because, like, she's turned into such, like, we played American Girl dolls together when we were little. And then she got into her art and crafts, and then we started writing letters, and it was just, like, she's so creative and painting, and, like, she drew my nature's tittletales, paddletales, tittletales, I don't know, um, artwork, and so we all knew she was just a wonderful artist, and she's so talented, she has her shop where she makes stickers, well, it's only really she does, gross, but like, she's been getting into all this like, Catholic stuff, and like, all these Catholic books, and like, everything, like, she's just grown into her faith so much which is amazing but becoming a nun a sister is something that I never would have guessed like that's obviously something we've never talked about like together so I'm like I'm ecstatic that she told me this I'm ecstatic that she's even possibly considering it even though it's something she wouldn't want to do because she'd be giving up a mom a wife being able to be a part of her family's life and like that is terrifying like everything that Kara went through like the year that she left basically kind of broke mom and kind of broke the family here but that was different I mean that was the Shinscott sisters 
but a covenant. A, con a covenant. A convent. Woo! Oh my gosh. Like. I don't know. Like. If she would become a nun or a sister, depending on like what order she's in, like she wouldn't be in my wedding or we wouldn't be able to visit. I hope I'd be able to visit her still. I mean, I think we'd still be able to write letters, but our letters might have to be more simpler, but like, I don't know. I'm kind of sad because it, obviously she doesn't know what's going to happen, but like, I just feel like, I feel like I'd lose my best friend and my cousin again. I feel like she says how, what does she say? She says, It's saying yes to God to hand over your whole life to Christ. And so if that's what he's calling me to, I pray that I will say yes. Even if it's not something I want. But if we do want what God wants, our hearts will be satisfied. So I'm leaving all doors open for Christ. Like, I remember, like, me and Mom always bring up the joking subject about, like, you will not be a sister. Like, da 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 Like, I know I don't want to be a sister. And so that makes me think of, like, okay, I don't want to be a sister, but maybe God wants me to be a sister. And I should just give up and do that. But then I think of the movie The Troubles with Angels, about how it's a choice and not giving in, yielding. But it's like... I know for a fact that's not what I'm supposed to do. Like, working with the youth, working with kids, like going on this mission trip, being a totus tuus missionary is what I'm supposed to be doing. So it's weird because maybe, like, it's weird having to actually discern this is what I'm supposed to do and what, and if I don't know if this is what I'm supposed to do. Like, I was deciding for so long if, like, if youth ministry was going to be a thing, or if I was going to do zoology and all my animal stuff. But I've, like, just discerning so much of this summer, like, oh, going, doing net sounds so fun. Like, I, I want to do that. And then I put in the application. As soon as I put it in, I was like, no, I'm not supposed to do that. I need something smaller. And then Totus Tuus comes up, and that's just like, ah, uh -huh, yeah, okay. Get me a ticket to it. Like, wow. Like, if she, I mean, I'm not saying that I'd be sad or mad that she joined, become a sister. I think that'd be absolutely fantastic. Sister Bernadette. I don't know. Like, oh my gosh, Sister Donnelly. <laughs> like that. I'm so happy for that, for her. But it's that is like. Holy crap. That's like something completely different. Like that's a completely different level for the art loving, crafty, you know, sticker making young woman that she is. Oh. Like I always imagined her like going and like doing great things like 
she goes for graphic designs, and her art is just going to carry her, and that's going to be her career. Like, I've always, I've always had this mindset that people who are given gifts, like, actual physical gifts, they can sing, they can dance, they can create art, like, just something that they can actually physically do and contribute, like, that will be their that will carry them through life, that will be their income, that is how they're going to live, like, that's, that's what they're going to do, it's kind of always been, like, a fallback, instead of, like, choosing a career and stuff like that, but, like, maybe it's not, but, yeah, I just wanted to get these thoughts out here before I forget them, But it's just like, wow, I never, I would have never even imagined Bernadette even considering being coming a nun. And it's such a big, huge, scary step. But I mean, if she did, I hope that she would, you know, find an order that allows her I hope she doesn't, I hope she finds an order that isn't restricted, you know, that lets her be free, even though I don't really know how, you know, maybe she is, does want to be more, I don't know, but I wouldn't think so, like, I could see her doing some bit, just changing the world. Oh. She graduates next year. I hope that I can go to her graduation party. I will drive all the way down to Illinois. So much can change in a year. Like, so much changed for me in the fall semester of last year. Like, I was set on all these animal things, and I was going to go to this college, and I was going to do this, but then... This is just so crazy. Okay, thanks for listening. Stop! No.